0: Good morning. Thank you for saying good morning back. Thank you. Um, Good morning, and my name is Tasha, and I'm grateful that you have come to join us today at Willoughby Hills Friends Church. Our time together today will look a little bit different because today is World Communion Day. It's a special day because churches all across the planet are choosing to join together and partake in the Lord's Supper as a sign of our unity. It is estimated that there are close to 37 million churches in the world and 350,000 of these are represented here in the United States. Not one of these churches or people who attend are the same, but we are all one in Jesus Christ. In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it, is, so it is with the body of Christ, some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Gathered here today, you and I represent part of this larger body of believers in Christ Jesus. And today we join with these or others around the world remembering with the world what Christ did for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for this time to remember you and the sacrifice that you have given us, to given us this opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth and in freedom. We thank you, Lord God, for resonating with us and bringing us here. Now, God, wipe out all distractions that would keep us from being able to meet you in this service. And God, we would like to send up another please be with the families of the Oregon survivors and those who passed away. We pray that you will bless them, console them, encapsulate them in your promise that the loved one's death is not in vain. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us and sing?
1: It out. Blessed be Your name in the land that is plentiful, With the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be Your name. Blessed be Your name when I'm found in the desert place, go walk through the wilderness. Blessed be. Every blessing, every blessing you pour born out I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in. Church, sure you read this with
2: me? I'll read and you respond. Let us give thanks to God, who is God of gods and Lord of lords, for he alone does great things. Thank, thank you, God, you, God, your faithful love endures forever. And give thanks to God, to who by his understanding created all that we see and all that we know. Thank, thank you, you, God, your faithful, faithful love endures forever. For and give thanks to God who remembered us in our brokenness and freed us from our enemies. Thank Thank you, God. Your faithful love endures forever. Let's sing of Thanksgiving this morning.
1: Grace that flows like a river Washing over of heaven love of Christ overflow in me thank Rescued me, Well,
2: church, we're going to continue to sing, sing praises and remembrance of what Christ has done for us. Know that these altars are open. It's a great place to come if you would like to physically respond, not just in singing, but in movement and coming forward to pray or pray with somebody. Feel free to do that as we continue in our service time together, giving, not just receiving as we sing, but giving as we sing to one another, encouraging Words of faith. So let's sing.
1: Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Sing holy. Like he rose oh, that. come on, see that blessing love the strength
3: you. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we do indeed join with all creation, singing praise to your holy name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We lift up our praise and adoration to you. Lord, we worship you in the power of your majesty. Lord, we worship you in the power of your grace and mercy and love that you would come love and die for a sinner such as I. Lord, that's overwhelming at times that a God, the God, the one true only God would come for us And yet this morning, Lord, we believe that, we read about it, we experience it through the power of your Holy Spirit, you testify to us, Lord, that you indeed have loved us and, and Lord, you indeed walk with us day by day and we thank you so much for that love. Lord, we don't understand everything, we don't comprehend how that could happen, but yet we know it to be true. And so this morning, Lord, because of that, we we come together. Uh, Lord, we give up our Sunday mornings and, and get up early and, and, Lord, could be doing lots of other things this morning, but instead we gather here this morning to give honor and praise to you as a body of believers here at French Church. And, Lord, there are folks all around the world this morning. They're gathering in the same way. We lift up that name. Lord, you have changed our lives. Where you've been present, everything changes. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for new life in Christ. We thank you for joy where there wasn't joy. We thank you for peace where there was no peace. Lord, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for mercy. Lord, we thank you for just all your blessings you pour out upon us. We don't deserve it, but you pour it again and again and again. And so, God, we come this morning and and we just, uh, Lord, although we're standing, our hearts are bowed. Lord, we're on our knees saying to you you, holy and praise to you. Father, meet with us now. May our offerings of worship be sweet to you. But Lord, may you also speak to us at this time. As Lord, we tell you we love you thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome this morning to Friends Church. We're glad that you're here on a different Sunday. There are no cameras, no simulcasts. Pastor Kevin is down at the other end, sharing. And if you're thinking, well, I'll go down and hear what he has to share, well, I can tell you it's exactly what I'm going to share. So we're, this morning we are we are sharing in a special day. It is World Communion Day. Communion is something that we as friends take very seriously. In fact, so seriously, we don't do it as often as maybe a tradition that you've come from. It's not something we do every week. It's it's something that in French tradition we, we take seriously enough that we, we don't want to become just another ritual that we go through. In fact, I think if you read some of the French literature, it says sometimes familiarity can breed contempt. And so, and so at times when we go through and we do communion at the Lord's table, it's, it, it's, it's something we want to think about. It's something we want to reflect on, and it's something that we want to give the Lord glory as we go through it. And so this morning we come together on this World Communion Sunday. You know, it's rare these days that we think and give much thought to our neighbors, our neighborhood, or our communities, much less the world. We know that we are part of a global community, but we rarely give the world much consideration. This must break the heart of Jesus. Just before the cross, he spent time in deep prayer that his church would be united. It was just before he was to... He betrayed and denied and crucified. His one prayer, in his words, where I pray that they will be one. With this gathering today around the world, we declare alongside all followers of Jesus that we are one body, following one Lord, together a part of one faith, and looking to one God and Father of all. Last night, as you and I were preparing for bed, the first sunlight of the world, Communion Sunday, was breaking across the island of Tonga, which lies just east of New Zealand. While you lay sleeping, Christians were filling churches across the island. These followers of Jesus were the first in the world to celebrate communion today. And around the globe, millions are following their lead in their own communities, culture, and contexts. Christians throughout Asia have already gathered at the world's table. Asia, so vast, so deeply rooted in tradition. A place where God's church is small, but where faith is great. In North Korea, for example, the persecution of Christians is some of the most extreme in the world. In North Korea, if you are a follower of Jesus, you must meet in secret. Many do not even tell their families that they go to church. Yet despite their underground faith, some 70,000 Christians celebrated World Communion Day in prison. In China, many believers met in secret so that they would not be arrested. And yet, even under great tension and threat, the church in China continues to grow. In India, Hinduism is experiencing a revival, and religious intolerance is on the rise. Christian pastors have been beaten, some killed, and many church buildings have been destroyed. Despite this, the church is growing, particularly among the lower castes. And while you and I were asleep last night, they celebrated communion. The Middle East. The Middle East continues to be the focus of much attention nationwide. The Middle East is the cradle of the church, the birthplace of our Lord, the land we call holy the Middle East, where the pain of the cross is so vivid, where the dry earth is watered by the tears of its children. Yet despite the hostile nature of the region, church communities gathered across the cradle of civilization for communion today. Many many of these churches meet despite growing fear of groups like ISIS that target Christians. Jesus was hated, and he said we would be hated. Many Christians in the Middle East took communion today, not in a glorious church, but alongside a road or in a tent, wandering as refugees on our modern Trail of Tears. Yet in the face of oppression, the church continues to thrive as Jesus changes lives. In Europe, there is a magnificent Christian heritage. Art, music, and architecture inspired generation after generation with the beauty and majesty of the gospel. For a time, it seemed that the church within Europe was all but dead. Cathedrals and grand churches once sat eerily empty. But today, they're beginning to fill again as a generation find its way back to God and his table. Today, many of them celebrate communion for the first time in their lives. In Africa... Africa, the church is experiencing rapid growth. Faith isn't empty, it's enthusiastic. In Africa, a bright mosaic of culture shows the world the vibrancy of Jesus' love. Our African brothers and sisters are deeply dedicated to their faith. Many of them walked through the night, many miles, to join their local church for communion today. Latin America, the church struggles valiantly for the weak and the poor. Every day in Latin America is a fight for the church as it deals with the misuse and abuse of a broken culture. But today, in so many churches with so very little, the songs of joy around the communion table could be heard far away. Those celebrating communion around the world today include Presbyterians, Methodists, Catholics, Quakers, Lutherans, Wesleyans, Pentecostals, Baptists, and thousands of other denominations of every stripe and creed. Today we stand alongside them and all those who are part of the one body of Jesus Christ. Some took communion with the sound of organ music in the air, others with simple singing, and still others in silence, so that they would not be heard and arrested. In wealthy churches and in desperate poverty, the elements were passed and celebrated as Jesus was remembered. For some, today's bread and wine will be the only meal they will have. Think about that. The only meal they will have. And perhaps for some, it will only be their, true, their only true meal this week. In churches, homes, and huts, our fellow believers have been, are, and will be meeting for the Lord's Supper. And yet, despite the great differences in how we worship and where we meet, there's one thing we do share in common today we all come to the same table of our Lord Jesus Christ, the table of communion. Around that table today, many languages have been spoken. Deep diversity has been represented, and much love has been shared. Even today, around our table, here at Willoughby Hills, we have found many friends from around the world represented. And in fact, I would like to invite one of those friends uh, to come join us now. Uh, Would you give a warm welcome to Hannah. Good morning. Good morning. This is Hannah Greenfield. And Hannah is from the uh, last five and a half years from Derby, England, right?
4: Derby. Oh, but, but what, yeah.
3: what, Not Derby, it's what?
4: Derby. Da- D- imagine it's spelled D-A-R-B-Y. Derby. Maybe I should get a pen and yeah. <laughs> scrub it out and write it out. Uh, yeah,
3: she's from Derby. Is that it, close enough?
4: Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd give you five out of five for that. Okay, thanks.
3: Uh, she's been there the last five and a half years, but prior to that, uh, she'd been in England, and even before that, she grew up uh, for in her youngest child years, In where was that?
4: Um, so I grew up in Nigeria, in West Africa. My parents were missionaries over there, so I, I had the privilege of, of spending the first seven years of my life um, in the African church, which is very lively, like you said, they're, they're you know, a lot of movement, you know, you don't just stand still, you gotta get moving, and I'm, I'm not gonna do it now, but it's <laughs> embarrassing. But you gotta like, let your inhibitions go and just go with, them, um, go with the groove. And, and it's, you know, just really, um, it was wonderful to, to have that time over there.
3: But after, s- you're, after you're seven, you've moved back to England then,
4: right? Yeah, so um, my mum suffered some health um, issues, which meant that we had to relocate back to the UK. Um, so God called us back to the UK, And prior to my parents being missionaries, my dad got ordained in the Church of England, so I think the equivalent here is the Episcopalian Church. So I grew up as a, I guess, a PK, a pastor's kid, and an MK, mission kid. So I don't have, like, a doctorate or anything fancy, but I suppose I could be Hannah Greenfield, PK, MK. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I guess coming back to England, we moved into more of a... A traditional Church of England setting, so those you know wonderful buildings that that you you read about you know, I think the church that, that we spent a lot of my childhood in was maybe a twelfth or thirteenth century church <clears throat> with a lovely stained glass windows and an organ and um, you know, lots of liturgy and I just really picked up on what you said, Pastor Steve, about you know how familiarity can breed contempt and now, you know, in my, the last few years of, of my faith, I really look back and I kind of read the liturgy again and go, wow, like, this stuff is amazing. Yet, because I grew up saying it every Sunday for, I don't know how many years of my life, you know, the Nicene Creed comes up. Yeah, you know, I could probably recite it and, and actually loses its meaning. So I kind of wish, you know, standing where I am now, I wish I could almost undo that familiarity um, and, and because there's such truth, you know, it's not dry. It's it's full of life. The founding fathers who, who came together and wrote wrote it, I guess, and, and, and you know, built built the doctrine that, that we stand on today. You just they knew what they were saying, and, and there's some real truth in that. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how I well, got into that, but, yeah. but there well, we go. That's great.
3: But th- so then you through those years, you ended up in Derby.
4: Yeah. So um, I went. I left kind of the Cambridge area to go to university in a small town called Loughborough, which if you guys see written down, you guys usually say Loughborough, but uh, it's bruh. So uh, it's like Edinburgh, not Edinburgh. And anyway, I digress. Um, so after I graduated from uh, university, I ended up in Derby. Um, I work for Lubrizol, so I actually work for them over in the UK, um, but, but they've sent me over here for a, for a two-year assignment. And uh, so Derby is, by UK standards, it's a small city, about a quarter of a million people. It's slap bang in the middle of England, so it's about as far away from the coast as you can get. And, and just to give you an idea, it's about two to three hours north of London, so that, that gives you a rough geographical location for it. And it's a melting pot of people, I mean, nowhere near as diverse as, as London, but. About 25% of, of that population are, are, are African, are from the Caribbean, are from Eastern Europe, or are from, from all over Asia. So um, there's a huge hodgepodge, and the church I was in was very much, um, very much reflected that diversity as well.
3: But that church you were in then was not this... Um no. The, the, the ritualistic, uh, liturgy-type liturgy church, right? Yeah,
4: so um, actually some stuff happened in my in my teenage years, which, uh, which caused me to fall away, and, and if people want to know, I'll share afterwards, else we'd be here a really long time. Um, but actually, it was during my time at university that God called me back, and I knew that I didn't want anything to do with the Church of England, because in my head, it was just about liturgy, and pews, and organs, and there was no life, which... I know is not the case, but that was you know, the perception that I had. So, so I got saved into a, an evangelical charismatic church. We met in a school hall, I guess an elementary school hall um, on plastic chairs, no organ, no pews, nothing like that in sight. And for me, that was what I needed. You know, I needed a different expression of church because of my background. I just kind of needed something that was, was, was fresh and different and was relevant to me. So when I graduated and moved to Derby, um, kind of God took me on a six-month church tour, which was kind of interesting and uh, enlightening in its own right. But he put me in a Pentecostal church, um, definitely a lot smaller than, than Friends Church. There's only about three to 400 of us, not 1,000. So it was a bit overwhelming when you walk in the doors and you realize, so there are two services going on at the same time and you have two of these every Sunday. I was like, okay, that's a lot of people to, to come and, 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 and you know, compare Friends to, to the church I was at.
3: So you've been here nine months about? Yeah, coming up nine months. um, So your reflections on not just our church, the church here, but the church in the United States and and just how that adjustment has been or what you've noticed or what impressions have you had?
4: Okay, well, I'll kind of start a bit more general and then Seth asked me to to focus on something specifically. So I will, if I don't, just like shout at me, Seth, and I'll I'll, uh, I'll go there. So um, I guess generally, the uh, first thing I notice is there's just lots more churches here in America. There's lots more believers, um, and it's, it's kind of okay to talk about your faith. Like I'm realizing almost every other person I might bump into goes to church and has a faith. And, and in the UK, that is just completely different. Um, you know, I, I realize I'm not blessed with, with the gift of evangelism, but you know, I, I'm encouraged by... Your, you know, the fact that your actions and the way you live can present the gospel. Because I'm not, I mean, I might like to talk, but I'm, I'm not particularly good at, at presenting the gospel. So I think it's amazing here that, that there's an openness to, to share um, and, and that there's an encouragement in that. So I think that's one thing I noticed. There's loads more, um, there's a big family over here, so I'm really thankful that, that God has um, brought me here to experience that. So that really encourages me. I want to encourage you guys. You know, when you're as far down the line of, of godlessness and church, um, you know, uh, turning away as you might think, because compared to England, I come here and think it's amazing. So you know, just be encouraged and just fight for that, because um, you know, hopefully you can learn from from where where we went wrong. And, and thankfully, you know, God is moving and, and and stirring up a new generation. I guess if I think about the church that I came from and I compare it to to friends, I've already talked about the size differences, but there's a lot of similarities in the way we worship. You know, the informality of what you can wear and um, you know the, the, the modern worship band and the preach. But the church I came from, um, we were really blessed to have a whole building where we would do a lot of outreach into the city. Um, and being a city-centered church, I don't know how much um, of, of the British news makes it over here, but in the last couple of years, there have been huge cuts um, to, to you know, budgets that impact social services and welfare. And you know, as, as awful as that is, you know, God has made a way, and God has um, blessed us with this building by which we've been able to, to, you know, just start a food bank and a clothes bank, and um, we have a debt advice center and a, a pregnancy advice center, and I think last year we fed, like, I, don't, I think we gave away, let me come, try and convert this, 100,000 pounds worth of food, so that's about Maybe two hundred thousand yeah, fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred thousand dollars worth of food and we're a small church. And and I think if if our pastor had said, hey, we're gonna give away this much food, he'd have been looking off to lay people off to find the money. But you know, in those times where you know, of hardship and, and you know, that's when the church really has the opportunity to step up. So I guess if I could, if we could do something different here, or maybe more of it, would just be that outreach to impact the city. Um, and especially in the neighborhoods, and I know that, that there are plans to, to do this, but one easy way is something like an alpha course. Um, I think particularly in the West, and I talk about Europe here, so I might be wrong about America, but at least in Europe, I think you can't just shout the gospel at people. It's about relationship. It's about... Um, just getting to know people for who they are and actually having a genuine interest in them and so i think for you know the church in the west in europe alpha is perfect for that because it gives people your, your opportunity to invite friends family colleagues you know to hey come along share food any questions okay like we always got told before we were helping it's okay if someone comes in and says, I don't think there's a God, but I think there's a green alien who kind of floats around in a submarine. Like, that was okay. You know, anything, anything was, um, was there. And I just think we're just missing an opportunity here. You know, I know there are, there are plans to, to, to kind of address that. But it seems like francesca has got a lot of stuff to encourage us once you're in that relationship. But... Um you know there's there needs to be some way of, of of opening up that discussion and and build those genuine relationships so um that's just a couple of observations i have to
3: so, so she did, I, did i answer that okay he okay. got the thumbs up <laughs> give dana a, a real hand of applause <laughs> Thank you. thanks so much yeah. it's great to know as we gather around this table this morning we do have we are represented Uh, from nations, languages, uh, tribes, cultures all around the world in this very building, and so it's great to be a part of that. Uh, Today, we have many different kinds of bread, in addition to that, represented on this table. Different textures, different flavors, different colors, different backgrounds and stories. Left to themselves, they are each separate. But when mixed, they come to represent the unity and the diversity that we find in the body of Christ. join us seated. Along with these wonderful bread options this morning, we also have a cup of communion kefir, communion wafers in each basket for those with allergies. Uh, these wafers have a shelf life of about one year. That's a pretty long time for something that is disguising itself as bread. They're used around the world, not just because they're gluten free, but because they can be stored and kept. If we don't use them, we just stick them in the closet and bring them out again next time we have communion. So actually it's really a very advanced stage of convenience. According to the book Shadow Meal, in some parts of the world, communion wafers are sold in convenience stores in the snack food section. Just imagine the body of Christ next to pretzels, nuts, and Twinkies. And it makes sense because all of those foods were designed to last. Regular bread, leavened or not, just doesn't last that long. If bread sits out for a while, you either have to throw it out or make croutons of it. Real bread dies quickly. When it comes to communion, I think that bread needs to be more like the bread sent from heaven. In the old testament manna if you remember the story it had to be gathered every day for food but it wouldn't keep any longer than that the short shelf life of this bread from heaven required that people look to god's provision every single day they couldn't stockpile it or store it in their cupboards they couldn't put their feet up and relax for a few days every single day they'd have to head out and gather the bread flakes off the ground and eat it before it went bad. I suspect they probably got a little bit cranky having to repeat this process day after day. But one thing was for sure, they would have to remember that it was God who was feeding them on a daily basis. The bread at the Lord's Supper should be like that. It should be like an opportunity for communion with God. We should open our hands every day And receive the life that Jesus has for us in new and fresh ways. Otherwise our forgetfulness will overwhelm us and we won't know who we are. We will forget how to see God in each day of our lives. A God who often presents himself in the faces of those around the table with us. The wonderful diversity within the family of Jesus Should always be cause to remember that we trust God to give it all to us, our daily bread. With those who are going to help pass the bread, please come forward to pick up the baskets. As we move to this table celebration, we invite all of those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to to participate in this meal. As you receive the bread, we ask that you hold on to it so that we may take it all together as a family in just a moment. While you wait to receive your bread, might I suggest that you spend a time in silent prayer and reflection. The Bible encourages us to examine ourselves before we sit at the Lord's table. If there is someone in your family or community from which you need to seek forgiveness, feel free to do so now. Go to them. Call or text them. Settle accounts as we patiently wait. The bread that you hold in your hands represents the diversity that is found in the body of Christ, both around the world and as well as the diversity sitting shoulder to shoulder with you today. Some of us are holding bread made from wheat, others rice or other grains. Each were created with recipes from different places. The color, texture, and shape of our individual breads are very different from one another. There's diversity in both the body And the bread. And today we join our brothers and sisters around the world and sitting at the Lord's table. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
2: Would you respond with me in reading this? Your death, Lord Jesus, we proclaim. Your resurrection we celebrate. and Your coming in glory we await.
3: During the Lord's Supper, Jesus and his 12 disciples reclined around a table for a meal that was filled with symbolism. The meal they were enjoying was an annual event followed by an ancient script, stretching all the way back to the exodus itself. Every piece of food was a metaphor and every cup of wine was symbolic. The Bible tells us during this last supper with friends, Jesus broke the bread and blessed it and asked that every time they did so, that they would remember him. But this would not be his last request. At the end of the meal, tradition called for all in attendance to raise up their cup and say, I will take this cup of redemption and I will call upon the name of the Lord. It is a reminder of the blood of the unblemished lamb that was sacrificed by each family on the night that the Israelites escaped. In Exodus 12, we find that if the blood of the lamb was painted on the doorpost of an Israelite home, the angel of death passed by. It is at this very moment, as the cup was raised by all around the table, Jesus interrupts and says, this is my blood shed for you. We understand bloodshed. Pick up a newspaper, turn on the news. Downtown Cleveland, east side, west side. It doesn't make a lot of difference. We see bloodshed and we understand the tragedy that goes along with that. Today, although many are celebrating around the world, there are Christians who aren't able to celebrate this morning in Roseburg, Oregon. Some shed their blood because they had the faith to stand up and say, I am a Christian in the United States. This time of communion is a time of remembrance. We remember their blood that was shed. We remember the blood of innocents that are shed. And our hearts are filled and tread with that tragedy in the morning. But when Jesus says, I shed my blood for you, as tragic as that might have seemed, Jesus' bloodshed is the bloodshed of redemption. Instead of tragedy, we have come to know our cup is a cup of blessing. Jesus' blood, our redemption, our blessing. We don't often think of death and the shedding of blood as a blessing. We are pl- prone to seeing blood and death in a very different light. But Jesus says, for you, my death will be a blessing and it will bring salvation. And every time you drink this cup at this meal, you're remembering why I died and the life that comes through my sacrifice. Communion is fundamentally all about Jesus. Focusing on Jesus helps us being distracted by side issues. Jesus instituted communion as a way for his disciples to remember his death and his sacrifice. At its core, communion clearly is a celebration, a remembrance, and a proclamation of Christ's death. It reminds us and declares to those partaking that Christ was with us, Christ died for us, and Christ is now alive, working in us. Would those of you who are going to pass the cup please come forward. As you receive your cup, we ask that you hold on to it so that we may take it all together as a family in just a moment. While we wait for everyone to receive their cup, may I suggest that you spend time in grateful prayer to Jesus for his sacrifice. Around the world today, the celebration of the cup will take different forms. For some, it will be filled with wine. For others, like us, juice. For a few, watered, carried from a dirty well miles away. Like many of us, many will use individual cups. Others, fancy goblets. Some will pass around whatever cups might be found in the home in which they are meeting. All will do so as we in remembrance, in remembrance of Jesus Christ, and in response to his request. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again.
2: Just stand and respond with me with this reading. Let's say these words together. Your death, Lord Jesus, we proclaim. Your resurrection, we celebrate. Your coming in glory, we await. Let's sing together.
1: Let no one caught inside the inside the liar in word shame. but fix our eyes upon the cross and run to him who showed great love and bled for to none but heaven's will No scheme of hell no scoffers ground no burden breaking, hold you down you reign forever let your church go clean let's proclaim it together Damn.
3: celebration of communion and participation in World Communion Day to a close, we must remember that there are those who have yet to receive communion today, but perhaps more importantly, there are many more around the world who have yet to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. As you know, we often say that the church is passionate about making Jesus present in this world, knowing that when Jesus is present, Everything changes. Later this month, the end of October and the beginning of November, we're going to spend several weeks talking more about our global efforts to reach the world for Jesus Christ. We're calling this our missions experience, where we want you to experience missions. Be in prayer for that. We, we ask that you uh, prepare to experience missions on a new and fresh way experience reaching out to those, beginning with those around the corner you work with, all the way to those around the world. So today as our ushers come forward, I'd ask that you partner with us in giving to what the work that is being done at Friends Church, both locally and internationally, to make Jesus known.
5: What if the world were a village of 100 people? 51 people in the village would be boys, 49 would be girls. There would be 60 Asians, 14 Africans, 12 Europeans, eight Latin Americans, five from the United States and Canada, and one from the South Pacific. The village would have 18 cars, 33 villagers would own cell phones. And one would be dying of starvation. 30 villagers would be unemployed. 53 villagers would live on less than $2 a day. 80 would live in substandard housing. 24 wouldn't have any electricity. 33 would be able to read. And 16 people would have access to the internet. If the world were a village of 100 people, God still would have sent His Son to die for them, and He'd love each and every one of them, all the same, with the same endless depth, the same passion, the same grace. All 100 would need Jesus. Thirty-three would know Him as their Lord and Savior. One would be actively telling others about Him.
0: Before we let you go I'm just going to read a blessing over you and then we're going to sing one more song. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May God guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you back rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. and May he bring you back rejoicing once again in our doors. God bless you. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing one more song.
1: Thank you, Jesus. You set me free. Sing that out. Christ my Savior. You rescued me. Sing that Thank you, Jesus. You set me free. Christ, my savior. You rescued me. Grace that flows. Grace that flows. Like a river washing over me, founts of heaven, love of Christ, overflow. My Savior, you rescued
2: me. Thanks for coming this morning. You are dismissed. Go with God.